Uh, well, good evening and welcome again. What I want to try and do over these next couple of minutes is I want to show a thread that goes not only through our gospel reading, but the whole of Scripture. And to do that, what I think would be very helpful, if you could grab a Bible um, at the end of one of your pews so that we can um, just follow along, because we're going to try and dig deep into Monday, Thursday and why we are here. I know many of you know why you are here, but I'd like us to just kind of, uh, as in the film, The Dead Poets Society, to suck the marrow out of this. Why are we here? And see the thread through Scripture. So um, I want us to begin with our first reading in Exodus, which you can find on page 68. We could go further back, but I'd like us to try starting there. Page 68. And this is... Exodus. We are in Exodus, the Passover, chapter 12. And what's about to happen is, if if you don't know the story, what what is about to happen is this is going to be this great watershed moment for these people of God. There's been generations of captivity, and it's going to be replaced with freedom. There's been generations of oppression, and it's going to be replaced with rejoicing. Generations of fear is about to be replaced with peace. And this is not just a defining moment, this is the defining moment, the watershed moment. This group of people, their God, the God who made the promises to their father's generation, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this God is about to triumph over Egypt and Pharaoh and all of their gods. It is, at this time, the great story of their salvation. And wrapped up in the narrative that we've just had read to us is this story, this desire to remember what is actually going on. So on the one hand in this story, you have God asking his people to slaughter this lamb and to put the blood on their door as a sign of their salvation. You've got them, God telling them, do this. And then on the other hand, you've got, remember this, and here is how. And we know that this was a significant part of their community because it quite quickly, it, if, you, if you turn over the page with me, um, you, you'll see on page 70, you've got these Passover restrictions. That's not in the act of the Passover. It's in the act of remembering the Passover, there are restrictions. Have a look with me at chapter 13, verse 14. In days to come, when your sons and daughters ask you, what does this mean? He's not just saying, do this to be saved. He's saying, also remember the generations to come. And as you trace through the Old Testament, you see all the way through that they gathered to remember. Remember this moment. And constantly, the people of God, they constantly forgot. It's the whole story, the whole narrative of Chronicles. And as we get to the end of Chronicles, there are these kings of Hezekiah and Josiah where they say, you've forgotten, you've forgotten. Let's gather to make this huge festival where we're all going to remember the Passover. We're going to slaughter a lamb. The Persians come in and they're in, they're in exile, so they can't gather. But what they do is as a community, as families, they have a meal. They've got bitter herbs. 
show the bitterness of imprisonment and then slavery. You've got a, a lamb. You're going to have some unleavened bread. You're going to have wine. And in the midst of this meal, they're going to remember. So then we skip forward hundreds of years, and Jesus is doing what? He's remembering. You've got your unleavened bread, you've got your wine. And then we come to our Corinthian passage. A few years later, what were the Corinthians doing? How has it got so wrong? Paul is highlighting in this passage, in our New Testament reading, these Corinthians, they're remembering the weirdest Passover meal that has happened in history. And instead of celebrating it, they're abusing it. Let me, let me explain what I mean. Because Paul, he's not giving information to the Corinthian church. He's correcting. He's saying, you're doing it wrong. Everyone knew at that time what the point of the Passover was, right? To, to remember. And in the context of the meal, it was to, to teach the generations about the great exodus. And the Corinthian church had forgotten that. But think about how weird... This Passover meal is when Jesus does it. Jesus is in disciples. What are they doing at the table? Reclining. They're having the meal. This long meal of friendship and family and community. They had the whole Passover meal there. This huge spread. And the centerpiece is going to be the lamb. To remember. Then what does Jesus do? He draws attention to two parts and he ignores the feast, the main reason they're celebrating. He ignores the lamb. This is going to be, it's difficult for us. It's basically like us celebrating communion without bread and wine. And the reason is because they're not going to celebrate this lamb. The great lamb is sitting among them. And the whole thing is going to turned on its head because there is a new lamb at the table. The center point of the Passover celebration is being ignored. And the bread and the wine are going to spiritually and metaphorically replace the lamb to remember the greater lamb who is sitting at that table. And then what you see throughout history, and we see it in the Corinthian church, is that people just ignore the bread and the wine. They ignore remembering. And they make, this is what they do, they make it this massive meal, and if you were rich, you would come to the meal early, and you would drink, and you would eat, and then when the poor would arrive, the only thing that they would find is basically these rich, full, drunk Christians. That's what was happening. And they'd forgotten, it's not, no longer is it remembering, it's just a meal. Paul says, don't do that. Do this, proclaim the Lord's death. Remember the Lord's death until he comes again. Just like you used to do with the Passover. Remember. So where are we? We thought about the Exodus. Great salvation of the Israelites. He gave them this Passover to remember for generations to come. Jesus turns this whole meal on his head. He says, I am the new lamb. I am the new covenant. I am the new way. And the Corinthian church, they just quickly forget. 
not about remembering. It's about a drunken meal. So, this is tangible for us tonight. That was the big picture. What are we remembering? We think that that was the big picture. The, the, the thing that we're remembering tonight, and of course it's Holy Week. There are lots of things that we are remembering. We're remembering the humiliation of Christ. We're remembering the mockery and the pain and the forsakenness of our crucified Lord. Of course we're remembering the great salvation story. We're remembering the great payment. We're remembering the great propitiation, which is when he took away God's wrath. We're remembering all these things, the great exchange, the great declaration of God's love for us, the great ransom, the great deliverance, the great defeat of death. We should remember all of those things. But tonight, we are remembering the story of the suffering servant. We are remembering how Christ has served us. Turn with me to, to, to our reading, to our gospel reading. John, it's in the New Testament, page uh, 1081. John, chapter 1, because many of us will know this story. And the problem is we get so focused on the second part, we miss the first part. John, chapter 13. Now, verses 13 to 17, we can see that it's, it talks about how we are to follow Christ's example. John, chapter 13, verses 13 to 17. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now, that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor his messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them, right? His example is our example. His way is our way to serve all, to serve those we don't want to serve and to serve those we do want to serve. But we, we often miss the foundation which only Christ can do. We think in our kind of Western mind that, it's, that Christ is almost incomplete if we don't serve as he has served us. Right? He's done a little bit. We have to kind of finish the job. But actually, just look back at verses 8 to 10, this exchange between Peter and Jesus. Peter says this, No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you will have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. We are washed. You see, this, is, this story of the washing of the feet, this is, a, this is not a story of service. This is a story of being in Christ. The application of being truly in Christ, of being truly served by Christ, is that we serve. But the problem is, if we only serve, it means nothing. We are to be washed 
by Christ. We are to be in Christ. We are forgiven by Christ. We're hidden with Christ. We are known by Christ. And we taste the sweetness of forgiveness. And as we do that, we understand the depths of the mercy and grace. That is the heart of this story. That is what we are remembering. We have been washed. We have been forgiven that we have been set free. And from that heart pumps out servitude. So today, in just a minute, we're going to ask 12 people to come and Jago and I are going to wash people's feet, 12 people's feet. Not as an act of priesthood, but as a symbolic act of what Christ has done merely for us. And as we do this, not to think, how can I serve other people, but to remember, that's, what, that's why we're here, to remember how Christ has served us. And to ask ourselves, really ask ourselves, on the cusp of Easter weekend, before we take communion, to really meditate, to, to consider, to ask, do I understand Do I know in the certainty of who I am that I have been washed by Christ? And as I've been washed, that leads to servitude. Think about it. As we're coming into land, think about it. Judas was one of the most religious people at that moment. He was there for the first communion. He had his feet washed by Jesus. Yet what is... What does Jesus say even about him? Not every one of you is clean. And he's talking about Judas. That is the beauty of Easter. That by the very death, the horrific nature of the cross, the mockery, the scorn, the pain, the death, the burial, which we will remember, we are ultimately made clean in Christ. Let us remember, not that we are called to be servants of Christ, but first and foremost, we are called to be washed by Christ, for Christ to serve us by washing us with his blood so that we are whiter than snow. Amen.